Good afternoon, everybody. This is Mark Fierbacher with another episode of the Grease and Glamour podcast. And uh, for those of you uh, that are going to be joining this podcast, you may have seen a couple of the video podcasts that we actually did in the last few weeks. Uh, We tried a couple things. We tried doing some Facebook Live, which worked well, but was a challenge uh, because it's live. And then we did some... um, videos with kind of cool green screens and that sort of thing. And that was fun. But now we're just going back to our roots. We're going back to an audio podcast here because, and and after today, I I have the sense that I'm going to want to go back to doing video and all kinds of cool tech stuff because today with me, I have a very special guest, a friend of mine and someone that's really, uh, well, in this day and age, extremely relevant because it's all tech stuff. He's with Microsoft. I am here with David Perlman. He is the director of Modern Workplace for Microsoft U.S. Education. He has worked across a variety of roles over 20 years at Microsoft, uh, but the last 10 years have been in education. And what better time to talk about the future of education and how it mixes with technology than now during this sort of new world order. Welcome, David. Mark, delighted to be here. Really uh, looking forward to maybe talking a little bit about some cars and maybe some technology. So two of my favorite things in, uh, you know, a half hour, hour um, during this beautiful weather, finally in upstate New York. I know it's gorgeous. And I have to tell the, uh, you know, we always, with the Grease and Glamour podcast. So this is a podcast that we do. It is for the benefit of the, the greater good of the company of Universal Imports. Universal Imports is sales and ser- service of import automobiles, not spe- not pre- specifically import automobiles, but primarily. And I met Dave um, about a year and a half ago. He, he brought a beautiful vintage Porsche in, and we did a lot of work to it, and it was really a lot of fun doing that with him. But I do want to sort of start this interview by telling people about this kind of funny story that I do tell from time to time. And that is Dave and I had worked very intimately on this, on this Porsche project for a year and uh, sometimes patting each other on the back and sometimes pulling our hair out. But we, uh, he calls me one day, it was a beautiful sunny day, like, like today. And he says, Hey Mark, I got to come over and show you something. I'm like, Oh, what do you got Dave? I'm, I'm interested. He goes, well, I just picked something up at Mercedes and I got to show you. And my first thought was, I'm going, I can't believe it. Now I've worked with Dave for over a year and he went and bought a Mercedes somewhere else. What is going on? So I was intrigued. I said, okay, Dave, well, come on by. So, you know, I'm thinking Dave's going to pull in maybe in a, an E-class or, you know, some nice sedan. And then I'd give him a little bit of crap for why he didn't come to me for it. Well, lo and behold, he pulls him with this, one of the most gorgeous RVs, a Mercedes RV made by Airstream. So nice. I'm now pining after it, trying to, uh, <laughs> trying to see how I can get one just like it, <laughs> but it might be a while. You know, I still remember the look on your face, Mark, right? As you know, like, well, what's going on? And I could hear kind of this trepidation in your voice about, okay, bought a Mercedes somewhere else and we pulled in. <laughs> and so the part that I love about this is I was coming from a business lunch and um, out comes Mark's Mark, and then he's looking at this thing. He's like, "Hold on, I got to get the rest of my family." So out comes his son, his mother. I don't know if there, there was one or two other family members there because it was a Friday afternoon. And 
Mar- Mark's wife was already like, Mark, when are we getting one of these? Yeah, Before she even walked into it. It's li- it's literally a showstopper. That, that, is a, that is the way I would like to go camping. That is definitely <laughs> Mark's style of camping for sure. And it's funny you think about, Mark, right? Kind of this uh, confluence of you know, technology and education and cars and all these other things. And so one of the, the interesting things, right, that they came out of that is I said, hey, we're going somewhere at some point. Well, guess what? All my kids now are remote learners and they get to spend a lot of time. So we're, we're headed down south for about a month to a warmer location, just kind of, you know, get distant from a lot of things. Not so much from a COVID-19 perspective, but just go to a place where, you know, we get to spend some quality time together as a family and still do this remote education. And a lot of it's that time is going to actually be spent in this vehicle. Oh, yeah. Well, look, this is something that I've been talking to my family about, and I've been losing the argument so far, but I'm saying, you know, over the next couple of years, we may not be quite as ready to jump on an airplane to go somewhere. Um, You know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Let's hope, and I think everybody's hoping that we the the new normal will be as close to the old normal as possible, but we don't really know what what's to come. So, you know, my argument is we should get an RV so that at least we can still hit the road and go camping and we'd have to rely less on public means of transportation to get places or hotels or restaurants and that sort of thing. So I, you know, I'm, I'm fighting the battle slowly. So, uh, so I'm just putting little tidbits in front of them here and there. Well, the kids are on my side, but it's, uh, getting, getting Lisa on board is going to be, is the challenge, but um, you know, over the last few weeks, uh, our governor here in New York has, uh, you know, he threw something out that was like, uh, it resonated like thunder right away when he, when he said it. And it, like many things, it very quickly turned political. You know, you've got two, two camps as to the thinking on this. And, uh, and that is, that we're going to be reimagining our education system. And, and I don't, I don't think that that was the wrong thing to say, regardless of where you land on, on whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I do think there is going to be some element of having to reimagine what education looks like going into the, going into people having summer classes or even into the fall, what's going to happen with these brick and mortar uh, colleges and schools. And I mean, I guess, Dave, the first question I have for you is, do you ever see w- that the future goes to kids are just not going going to go to school? They're just going to be able to learn from home? Great question. So let me, let me start with um, the first statement you made, right, which is um, there's leadership taking place in lots of different ways, right? Thought leadership. And, and, and there's politics, and sometimes those are combined. Um, it's very hard for people to get out of that space these days, right? And, and that's just the nature of where we're at. Here are the things that are not going to change, right? Kids and adults and, you know, people that are looking for retraining and education, they're going to continue to have to have these things, right? And so um, the, the new normal, whatever that may be, and we hear that term used a lot, here are the things that are consistent, right? People are still going to need to get educated. People are still going to go into the workforce. Institutions such as your own, right? Universal Imports are still going to need highly qualified candidates, right? To be able to do all these things when these wacky people come in and want to, you know, redo their entire course. So, so, so let's think about this. We've put in um, probably three to four years worth of transformation have been compacted into about two and a half months, right? So when we say imagine, you know, education will be a reimagined, 
that's possible, right? And so we're, we're seeing that now. Do not let anybody kid you that what we're doing today was anything other than putting out fires, right? So we pat ourselves on the back, right? And we say, okay, we provided continuity given the emergency. Now, the next phase of this is going to be, what does this really look like, right? What does education look like as we move forward? So is that going to be all remote? Is that going to be a combination of hybrid learning? So when we think about hybrid learning, Mark, there's two versions of that, right? There's something we're doing here, which is asynchronous learning. We're going to record this thing and people learn a couple things. Hopefully they'll laugh a little bit about it. And then there's this, um, this notion that we're going to go all back to on campus. And so there's a lot of things scientifically that may need to happen. There's a lot of things from a um, job force perspective, right? The business of education, the business of healthcare. And so I've, I, I find it very unlikely that it's ever going to go back to exactly what it was, you know, on March 10th of this year. Right. So it's, so it's very unlikely. So, so in the short term, listen, everybody's scrambling, trying to figure out, okay, now that we, we, we're, we've graduated most of our folks, now what does this mean for our campus, right? So depending on what kind of campus you're at, um, you may be going there for a different reason. Listen, if I'm going to a um, expensive school and we have some of those here in the Rochester, we have a lot of them in the Northeast, what does that experience do? What is the value we put on that, the cost of going to that institution? There, when I say that I'm going to the University of Rochester, the um, RIT, there's a campus experience, and there's a lot of reasons why I want to have that socialization and the incubation of ideas, and people learn to be leaders and followers and working in teams. So all of those things are continu- going to continue to be very important. So here's probably what's going to happen. You're going to find a bunch of institutions that are going to say, you know what, we're going to do a better job of what we, we just got done doing, right? And we're going to be more thoughtful about it. It's not just going to be where is the content and what is the tool we're going to really focus on the pedagogy, right, which is the science of teaching. And what does that look like for our campus? There's going to be another group that's going to say, you know what, we're going to shorten the school year because we don't want people coming and going, right? So after Thanksgiving, nobody's coming back to campus. There will be other institutions. So the University of uh, California system said nobody's coming back in the fall, right? And so they're one of the biggest institutions, um, and there's lots of reasons for that. I think you're going to see also geographic anomalies. So in the Northeast. Northwest, um, the West Coast of the U.S., we've been impacted in a way different format than other areas of the country. So to answer your question, I think it's going to take all those shapes and forms. Education is going to continue. And I think if we do it right, there's a great opportunity, whether it's legislated or driven by the nature of the students that we serve, to really rethink a little bit about what, what does getting an education look like? And is it asynchronous, right, like this? Is it synchronous where we get on whatever platform you're on and you have a learning session for an hour? And then what are the skill sets, right? And this is the other thing that nobody really thinks about is what does it mean in this kind of environment to be a good professor or a good student, right? It's a whole different skill set that in my 30 years of teaching, I get up in front of the whiteboard and everybody's awesome at it, right? Hey, I'm a, I put on this show for an hour, three times a week, and here's what we do. <laughs> right. Well, you, you know, I, th- I think about all, well, we already know that from a technology standpoint, it can be done because even in yep. the even in the putting out of the fire, it, you, you know, Microsoft was right there. Other companies were right there. People are able to conduct their meetings online. For the most part, it didn't skip a beat. I mean, there was always that, there's always that first or second meeting when you have a bunch of people on one of these, one of these sort of video meetings. And Mm -hmm. uh, this guy's got his microphone up too loud and this guy can't see the other person. You spend the first 20 minutes making sure everybody can see everybody and talk to him. It's a little bit comical, but now you can already see, you know, I've been involved in probably six or seven 
uh, board meetings, uh, either through Microsoft Teams or or other platforms. And um, and now you can see people are are starting to become much more savvy at it. You're starting to see people that didn't know how to use a computer before even have a background behind them. I mean, it's you're yeah. starting to see people are are getting to understand it. My kids you know, they can't be with their friends. So they're doing, you know, Netflix watch parties. I mean, they're, they're all watching Netflix movies together virtually. And what I have been thinking, and I've been doing a lot of this because as the weather has gotten nicer, I've been going for more walks and uh, being able to have some time with my thoughts. And I'm thinking, you know, this virus, there's always this saying that uh, some things can only be made in the storm. And mm-hmm. this virus, it seems to me, good, bad, or otherwise, is going to accelerate the future. The future Correct. is going to come at us quicker than it did before. And, you know, I even think about stuff like uh, air, air, airplane travel, air travel. Mm-hmm. I always found it funny how, you know, we now have everything uh, streaming. We can virtual reality is amazing. You put one of those goggles on, you can't even believe that that it's happening. Uh, having this phone call where I can see you and you can see me, that was something that you saw in the Jetsons, you know, 25 or 30 years right. ago. And now we're doing it. So all that stuff is just very normal to us now. Yet we're still flying the same planes that were built in the six, the, the, the same model airplanes that were in the 60s, the 747. That's still one of the most used planes today. And I think that this is, this is going to force a lot of industries to move forward. They're going to have to re... So it's not just a reimagine of education. It's a reimagine of everything. Um, you know... And- yeah. I, 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 I agree. And right, you bring up a really good concept. And so what you were starting to hit on is... Um, and, and you said it a couple of different ways, but, you know... Let's not leave any crisis left unturned, right? So we, we, we've had a crisis, right? And we're continuing to be in various stages of that crisis. And so we think about kind of, um, you know, the seven stages of acceptance, all these other things, right? There's like somewhere around three to seven stages, depending on what model you're looking at as it relates to this current uh, pandemic, right? You know, they will have a, a vaccine at some standpoint. We've seen what good and we, we've seen a lot of different forms of leadership, right? And so when we think about what our leadership is doing, here's the things that are immovable. We're still going to have policy. We're still going to have legislation. We're still going to have people taking advantage of education. And somewhere there's going to be this kind of fulcrum, right, about how do we deliver an education that's meaningful to the students, the parents that are paying for it. It's still an enriching experience. We have an engaged audience, right, with our faculty and staff. And then what is that going to look like? And so I think you're going to see um, whether it's, you know, listen, I think nobody's better positioned, by the way, than Microsoft, right, where I've spent 20 years of my life. Um, I'm a graduate of SUNY. I went to a community college, went to a four-year college. I also spent time in the military. Um, there's this unique time point where we see this pressure, right, that's coming from different areas. It's fiscal. There's going to be legislative pressure, operational pressure. And then there's this whole education paradigm that's probably going to change. Um, we're not really going to know what that looks like until I think this time next year. We're going to get a lot better at what that product looks like. And education is a product, right? You go someplace. Um, there's a lot of places you could go online for $3,000 and go take a class, right, on how to be a great car mechanic or, you know, how to be a solutions architect at Microsoft. But just because the content's out there doesn't mean it's good. I think you're going to see the quality increase. I think you're going to see the fluidity and where education takes place and how it takes place is not going to just be this way, right, all online or just on 
and the school, it's going to be a combination of both. And so it's really cool to see these, these other things. And I'm a geek, right? Car geek. I'm a technology geek. I'm still a parent trying to figure out what this is going to look like. So, you know, you'll, you'll appreciate this, Mark, right? Um, daughter going to SUNY Geneseo says, Hey dad, guess what? I want to move off campus in March. Okay, great. Whatever. You know, as long as the cost was within, within reason, um, all this stuff blows up and all of a sudden she comes back to me with this great deal yesterday. It says, Hey Dave, um, somebody isn't coming back to school and three of my friends have a, a roommate opening in their house. And I sit there and say, Oh, okay, awesome. How much is it? Whatever the number was. And I said, okay, that's great. So there's parents that have already spent, let's say seven, $8,000 for their their portion of that cost. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, buyer's market, their kid's not coming back to school. They already signed the lease. So in the back of my head, I'm not telling my daughter what I'm going to do. And I'm looking at her and I said, you don't know whether you're going to be back on campus in the fall, right? I don't know that. I can't make any public statements about that, but there may be a potential, maybe she's not going back to SUNY Geneseo. So why am I going to commit another seven or $8,000 for you to go pay this landlord or this parent, right? Who's got a kid that's not coming back because we don't know whether we're going to be back on campus or not. You might as well stay home and save me $8,000. So these are just little things that people are thinking about, Mark. Well, yeah. And we see that in our industry too. So this is a, this is where the problem comes in. It's the uncertainty of markets. Uh, so whether it's, uh, the real estate market, whether it's um, renting housing at, at a college campus, um, even with with cars right now, you the best the best car analyst can't figure out what's going to happen to pre-owned car prices versus uh, new car prices. Uh, right now, the new cars, well, we know there's going to be a deficiency in new cars coming off the line for a while, and you're not going to see that right this minute. You're going to see it six months from now. And what's that going to do? What's the effect of that on the pre-owned cars? Well, we're already seeing dealers starting to stock up on pre-owned cars because they're afraid they're not going to have the new car inventory and they don't want to be stuck with nothing to sell. At the same time, they don't want to go hog wild just buying everything because we also don't know if every if everybody's going to be back to work and have money to buy a car, because it's great if you want to have your inventory stocked and have cars to sell, but you also want to make sure you have people that can come in and buy them. So it's you're in what is happening, and it's like what you're talking about with uh, you know whether to be be on college campus, whether to commit to a lease, all of that. It's you're in this state of flux that you just don't really want to make a a huge move on that. Now I would say right now is a great time. I mean, with cars right now, it's a great time to buy because banks and everything are really doing everything they can to throw out their low interest rates. And, great. and we talked about this on previous podcasts, you know, the, the low interest rates and deferred payments. And, and I warned, I, I'm warning people that be careful of this deferred payment thing because it'll only hit you on the back end. So just know what you're getting into if you get into those types of things. But, um, it, it is, you know, we are in this bit of a, uh, in fact, it might even be something that you know, people could buy a car now and, uh, six months from now they could, they could profit from it. It might even be an appreciating asset at this point. We really don't know. <laughs> per, 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 perhaps. Right. So if we draw the corollary, right, your biggest expense, and again, I'm not in the car business, but I spent a lot of time and effort at car businesses is, you know, I think, uh, I know that. (laughs) And it's like, Oh, here comes Perlman again. Now what? Um, 
so you think about your fixed cost as a as you know a, 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 a service and sales operations, right? Your biggest expenses are your building, right? It's a fixed asset, your inventory, and your people, right? You've got all your so administrative think about costs, yeah. All that stuff, right? So, so you know what your fixed cost is from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Um, we have a number that we need to get to. Whatever revenue streams that we have to get there, whether it's profit or loss, right? So you think about the education industry. There's this huge, huge infrastructure in dorm rooms and sports facilities and all these other things. So, so say that you're at a Division One school locally, right, at Syracuse University of Buffalo, and they have a place that they normally fill up with 50,000 people. They're buying food and they're playing, you know, right. they're, they're, they're all the, and you know, that's one of the biggest pieces of revenue, right, to their revenue stream, and it supports all the other things that happen on campus. So we can lock down dorm rooms, right? We can say, okay, people are going to do this or that. Maybe we'll have some contingent of folks here. But, you know, we have a month maybe to make some of these decisions, right, that are going to be hugely impactful to what our business model looks like. And gosh forbid, if we make the wrong decision, what is that going to mean, right? And so you had a question um, as it related to the car business. I'm sure you, you asked somewhere around March 20th, maybe it was the 25th, um, how should I staff my business, right? What is the man really going to And there's these great opportunities where you figured out, right, we, hey, we meet people, we have masks on, we, we still, you know, we clean everything, we make it this low-touch kind of environment. Um, you didn't shake me on the hand and pat me on the back this time. So there's some really unique um, educational opportunities for both institutions as well as even from a, a student perspective, right? In terms of where do I spend my dollars? How do I get that ed education? In the Perlman Charter School, which you've heard me make this line, um, I've spent far too much time with people um, that I necessarily don't want to at certain times and not enough time with people that I want to. So let me tell you, after about six, seven weeks, my family has heard enough from me, right? They'd love for me to hop on an airplane again, right? But I haven't spent enough time you know, in front of people, but we're still making these connections, right? We figured out how to do this. Normally, maybe I would have been down at your office, right? Um, so, so there's these really unique, innovative things, and people are trying to figure this out, right? And so as we do, there's some just really cool, interesting opportunities and in how technology plays into our daily lives, right? What does entertainment look like? What does business look like? What does education look like? Yeah, and it, there, there are so many things that people don't necessarily think about uh, initially, when, when we are dealing with these topics. And, you know, one of the other things I think about is, so you and I have, uh, we, we have been fortunate enough in our lifetime to see, um, you know, a TV that only had three channels on it. Um, and then we, you know, and then we got basic cable and that was incredible and that blew our mind. And we spent our time on the telephone or out uh, in the neighborhood playing with our friends. And, uh, and then we, we got to see the advent of, you know, household video games and not having to go to the arcade anymore. And now we're to a point where, you know, my kids would argue that the reason they should be on Xbox so much is because it's a whole social experience, uh, experience. I mean, they're not, they're not just there playing a video game, although that's kind of <laughs> the conduit that keeps it all together, but they are, uh, they're uh, talking to their friends. And if they're not there talking to their friends, then they're not in with what's going on. So it's a social, it's a social gathering place. So now I have this conversation with my kids all the time. I said, you know, one of the problems that I think kids have now and are going to have even more before this coronavirus thing hit is that, you know, we used to have to confront 
sometimes tough situations with people face to face or or over the phone, which still was, uh, you know, it was easier, but it was still hard. You had to still talk to people. And, and I'm thinking about things like, you know, you're breaking up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. I mean, those things you had to do either face to face or on the phone. Now you can do it over a text. And so there is going to be and I know that the, you know, the institutions, every the, the people that really know what they have to think about in this are going to look at not only how do we deliver the education. So I'm thinking there may not be there may no be not be a such thing as a snow day anymore because once we get this under wraps and there's too much snow outside, well, we're just doing our classes online. <laughs> so, so, so you hit on a couple of key points, right? You know, the first point is, um, you know, what does innovation look like? What is the future in terms of what does learning really mean, right? And how do we take these these kids that, to our minds, are going from this thing to that to that thing? They're not learning anything, right? Because they spend all their time on their devices. So, um, how does that then make young adults and adults that will start their own businesses and go into the workforce. So, so, so let's put a pause in that. Right. And so we're really looking at that through our, um, I don't want to give away your age. You wear it much better than I do. Um, and way better haircut than I do. Um, I was looking for a phobia or I was going to go for the skin to win look. Right. So, so let me tell, tell you about some of the innovation that's taking place in upstate New York, just to give you an idea. Right. So we look at that, 12-year-old, 16-year-old, 18-year-old, the 16, 17-year-old age bracket, that's really the first generation of kids that have grown up with some kind of device, right? Handheld device, a laptop, you know, and, you know, and, and I something from Apple, Xbox or Microsoft, PlayStation, whatever it is, right? And we look at them as saying, how in the heck are you getting any work done? Because we need you to concentrate. Well, let me, let me give you, for instance, my 16-year-old daughter, um, she has done term papers and it drives me insane writing on her cell phone and she'll start off in Google apps and then she'll go to the Microsoft thing and then she'll go to one known and then she'll go to someplace else. And somehow magically the research gets done. She has the collaboration. They don't care what the tools are, whether it's from my company or any other number of companies that they just don't care. Right. It, it's this invisible barrier that we put up as, you know, um, 29 year olds. No, you know, we're probably a little older than that. Right. So, you know, in that 40 to 60 year old age bracket, we say, Oh, this is a barrier. They're not learning. Well, they're learning things. So let me give you an example of where learning took, pla- took place, right? So about uh, middle of April, um, somebody came to us that we work closely with Syracuse University. And, you know, we do lots of things with lots of different universities. I'm involved with them across the country and sometimes around the globe. Um, hey, nobody can go anywhere. Did you know what the big, fastest growing Division One sport is, Mark, at the collegiate level? The fast, the fastest growing. Yep. Um, I'd like to say it's soccer, but it probably isn't. Not even close. And it's not football and it's not basketball. It's esports, right? So your oh, kids wow. play games, right, on that Xbox. Everybody should use Xbox after do that plug. Or PlayStation or whatever you're doing, right? Most of them play them on these online platforms. And so um, uh, Twitch and a couple of other platforms that are out there. Maybe we'll come back and talk about that another time. Um, there's more money, more scholarships. You go to Southeast Asia, and the, and it's and it's a multi-billion-dollar effort as it relates to education, recruiting athletes. These folks are graduating from these schools with division. Every school has a division. That's a division one has an esports team. So if I go to Syracuse, they have this multi-million-dollar facility that's been put up around esports, and we said, hey, you know, we still want to have this done. Everybody's at home. What does this look like? So we hosted in conjunction with 
Syracuse University on the platform that we're working on, Teams right now, and then Twitch, which is you know big online community where these games take place, a competitive comp- no, competitive competition that was redundant. Um, thank you, David. Um, Four hundred thousand students participated over ten days on a platform similar to this, and guess what? It was a skills and learning session. So think of um, Sports Center, right? So yes, I'll credit that to ESPN. We had a panel discussion with professors, leaders in the industry, leaders both from an education perspective as well as from a technology perspective, speaking for an hour about the things that were going on in the industry, right? So we had 400,000 eyeballs over the course of 10 days. Think about that. This took place April 25th through May, I don't know, 7th or 8th. 400,000 eyeballs were glued every single day. So over the course of that time period, it was about 20,000 people a day, maybe a little higher, depending on how you do the math. Actually, 40,000 a day. Um, And these people are getting skilling. They're competing at the collegiate level, right? These people are competing for scholarships and they're competing for jobs. And there's this whole education industry and a sports marketing industry that's going on just around esports. Fascinating. You wouldn't have thought about it. That's crazy. We're going to take a very quick uh, commercial break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about, because this is a good segue into it, we're going to talk about virtual reality, AI, where Microsoft is going with that. How I mean, that's got to play into the education system somehow, too. I mean, the virtual reality is amazing. But, um, you know, uh, with Dave's cars, he uses Motul motor oil uh, because we, that's what we put in his Porsche last time. And I want to give a little um, quick uh, ad from Motul Motor Oils and Universal Imports. We're going to be right back. Motul is the official sponsor of the Grease and Glamour podcast. Established in 1853, Motul has grown to become a recognized leader in lubricant technology. Racing teams around the world have trusted Motul to deliver the endurance and performance needed to compete at the highest level. Even if you're not racing on the track, Motul's full range of synthetic lubricants will protect your engine against wear and tear of your daily commute. Stop by Universal Imports to purchase Motul's line of products today. Car repairs can get expensive. That's why Universal Imports has got you covered with their exclusive Car Care Club. For an annual investment of just $49, you can save hundreds with a free New York State inspection, $10 off oil changes, 10% off labor, $50 off alignments, and so much more. Visit UniversalImports.com or visit 834 Linden Avenue, right off 441. Let my family take care of your family's automobiles. Visit UniversalImports.com to join our Car Care Club today. Oh, well, you know, uh, about two months ago, well, it was actually around Christmas time. Some friends of ours came over the house and uh, they had bought their son this new virtual reality glasses. And there's a game on there. It was a Star Wars, uh, Star Wars type game. And I had tried virtual reality before. The ones that like you snap your Samsung phone into and, and, uh, and it was cool. It's pretty neat. You you find quickly that the things you can do with it, at least they can do so much more, but they didn't have that much out there, so you kind of get bored of it quick. This Star Wars thing, was it blew me away. I mean, you actually feel your heart beat going up when Darth Vader's coming at you, and uh, it's so realistic and just, wow, so crazy. So I have to, uh, I, I would have to imagine, in the future reimagined, 
that you guys are probably, well, I do know that you're doing a lot with car stuff because you've got this connected car platform that you're working on. Um, and some of the things that I've seen on some of the videos that Microsoft has put out for their connected car AI stuff and wow, like, holy moly, it, it's a, uh, it's the Jetsons on steroids. Can you talk to some of those cool things that we may be seeing in the next, you know, five, five years or so? So I'm familiar with the connected car. We partnered uh, closely with a couple of manufacturers. And so let me make a couple of distinctions for you, Mark. There, there's two different things. So that experience you saw with the Samsung phone, um, there's two pieces to it. One is virtual reality and one is augmented reality, right? And so I'll come back to the car piece, but let's talk about innovation. Let's talk about those two things. So augmented reality is we take the environment that you're in today. You're sitting in your office. I'm sitting in my home office. And we have an environment that we're working in. So, so virtual reality is we put this headset on and may take low, low cost, high cost devices. And we will be in that environment. Augmented reality really takes the environment that you're in, whether it be, you know, potentially maybe your car, right? As we think about autonomous automobiles, or maybe the environment that you're in, that you have a wall sitting over there and how you interact with that information may depend upon where you're at. And so there's some very advanced capabilities that are taking place with, um, flight simulators, right? So most pilots don't get trained on the real thing for hundreds and hundreds of hours, right? Until they actually, um, you know, it's time to get in that plane. So same thing even with driving, right? So we look at um, driving simulators, right? And there's a lot of local companies. So now let's, let's boil that down to your experience, right? You're in this immersive environment, right? Things are coming at you. That's cool, but really where it makes sense now locally, right? We're going to talk about kind of augmented reality, but yet virtual reality. Um, one of the state university of New York schools, SUNY um, Finger Lakes Community College, never even think about it. They actually partnered with our um, one of our healthcare organizations, and we have this whole simulation that goes on the healthcare side of things. So I'm standing up, right? I hear about this, and I'm like, I didn't even know we were doing that within SUNY. Never mind Finger Lakes Community College, which is 20 minutes down the road. I get a hold of the professor. Um, I'm like, hey, this is awesome stuff. What are you doing? Well, you know, we have this nursing program, Christine Parker, go look her up on LinkedIn or something. So here, here's innovation taking place around that. They have a nursing program at FLCC. It's one of their fastest growing programs. And this very dynamic professor who was great at what she did decided, you know what? I think virtual reality is going to play a part in this. So we have HoloLens. We've actually partnered with places like Case Western University out in Chicago and a few other areas where we have course curriculum where your child, student, or you as a lifelong learner can go in and I'm in this room that's set up like kind of weird. There's like these rugs on the floor and said, okay, David, here's what you're going to do. You're just a student. And then I'll introduce you later. I'm like, now at least let me introduce myself ahead of time. You put on the HoloLens goggles and version two is just coming out. And all of a sudden I see a nine foot virtual reality presentation in 3d of the human um, cardiovascular system. And I then participate in this dynamic learning environment where kids that are interacting with things and we can change the way the image looks like. And it's not just this two dimensional thing and we're doing a lab, right? It's all virtual. And yet I still have a piece of paper that I'm writing things down on that was part of the lab exercise. And what a cool day, right? So I got this, you know, invited into their campus and they're looking to expand this. So this kind of innovation takes place locally. And you think about where that goes, right? And you, you were talking kind of about AI, right? So artificial intelligence, in cars, there's AI in every single thing we do, right? So when you do a search on, 
you know, the Microsoft platform and the Google platform, there's AI behind that model. When you go to, um, when you call up a lot of places these days, right? Some, some of them are okay. Some of them not so okay. Hi, Mark. Thank you for calling American Express. How can we help you today? And you use natural language, right? And all of a sudden, it's not you're waiting in this long queue that says, oh, you're calling about your card balance, Mark. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Oh, let me connect you with the customer service representative. So now all of a sudden, if you're just calling for your balance, it pulls up your balance, right? So again, that's AI learning models. We take that a step further. Um, we're working in partnership with New York State. And again, I'm going to lead you down a road, but I can't go too far because there's a lot of pieces to this. We have this LinkedIn asset that's out there. We also have all these students that are using the Microsoft platform that may potentially come to work at Universal Imports one day, right? And I've seen the work that Jody does. Listen, you got to be an engineer. You got to be, need to be an electrician. You need to be able to understand what computers are doing. That's a lot. Not everybody has that skill set. So how do we foster that? Well, okay, based upon whatever learning models that we're doing, we can use AI to take a look at, hey, what kind of classes did you take during school? What are people that took those classes and what are the certification pathways that you would need to get after a two-year degree to come work at Universal Imports? And it's not just I want to be a car mechanic, right? It's the same question that the people that are doing tool and die, right? No longer are you just sitting there with a grinder grinding on metal. You need to know all these other things, logic, right? right. You need to be able to problem solve. You need to be able to communicate. Right. And AI is going to help us with a lot of that. And then the other most important piece is, you know, we need to do this from an ethical standpoint. So Microsoft spends a ton of time and a ton of money really ensuring that privacy is important, right? What is that data that we're capturing? How is it being used? We're more than just, you know, we're not just an advertising company and again, great business model, but that's not what we're about, right? So we have really strict things that if I don't do as an employee, I'm not going to be around as an employee very long. You own the data, what we do with that data, you fully know. And at the end of the day, you own that data. So if you want to take it away, you go ahead and do that. And we've seen a lot of legislation, right, um, especially starting in the EU and California, around the ownership of data and being able to be forgotten, for example, on, on various search platforms that you use out there. Yeah, uh, uh, right. There's there's so many things that the that the future holds as to what we're going to be seeing. When, when I look at the, the Microsoft's vision for the connected car, and I even saw on one one of the ads – on the actual driver window would act as a screen. Uh, so you could even pull up different things from outside the car or even inside the yep. car on the driver's window. And, and, you know, I think what's, what's so cool is that that stuff doesn't feel that far fetched to anybody anymore because we see what's already out there and we know, and we see how, how fast all of the computer stuff, you know, our phones, holding your phone in your hand, whatever phone it is, whether it's a, a an Android phone or an Apple phone, you're instantly the smartest person in the world. You know, you're instantly smarter than the smartest person in the world 50 years ago because every right. single thing is there for you. And I suppose that that is all ties into artificial intelligence, uh, Ultimately, it, it does. So you, so you saw how I, I reflected your question about the connected car and I deflected it back off. That's great, Mark, but it's really about education. So, so as we come back kind of that car conversation, right, because it's greasing glamour, my favorite podcast, by the way, that I hear oh. your voice every week. Um, you, are, you are definitely you know, very good at this. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, it, it's really interesting, though, right, because all these things are interconnected. Right. So even just to go work on your car 
it's really hard for me as just a kind of a knuckle neat, you know, nerdy kind of, I'm not really nerdy, but you know, I, passionate about that stuff. I've pulled engines out. I've put them back together on new cars. I can't do that. Right? right. So I need to come to places like universal imports that understands where these things are and the skill sets you need to repair a car today are very different than even 15 years ago, Never mind 40 years ago. So we go five years further forward. And we think about that connected car experience. There's a couple of pieces of technology that are coming together, right? A, autonomous vehicles, right? So autonomous, what does it mean for that driver experience? What does that really do? So the things that are limiting that right now, it's not a technology issue by and large. And we hear one or two of these tragedies that take takes place, but there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of um, person hours being driven by autonomous vehicles today, right? right? And we hear about the one or two unfortunate incidents that happen. Those are a shame. The things that are limiting that are legislation and liability right now. And that's why you don't, you don't even see you drive a, a Tesla, for instance, right? Um, that car can do just about everything it wants to, but we still need to have a person in the driver's seat. We still need to be able to apply the brakes. One could argue that they're probably safer than a lot of us, uh, us humans driving those cars. So then we take that autonomous vehicle, then we put the connected car experience in there. Okay, now I have three hours and I'm doing whatever. And, and by the way, we have, a lot less traffic jams because we have consistent traffic patterns, right? It's not Mark who always wants to go fast and Dave who's <laughs> driving really slow. I don't know if that's true or not. It's probably the other way around. So now we have, what's the average commute in Rochester? It's probably 20 minutes, 25 minutes. You take that to New York or Los Angeles. It's 20 hours a week that you're commuting some way into your center of work. Maybe that'll change, right, with more remote work that's taking place. But now what if I could use that for learning time? Do you listen to other podcasts besides your own? Yes, of course. And you learn things from them, right? Oh, I love them. I, you know, my there's I, there's podcasts that I learn from, and there's part there's podcasts that I think I lose brain cells listening to, but that's okay. Uh, they they all have their purpose. So you think about that enriching experience, right? In terms of the connected car, you're no longer driving that car. You have this connected you know, this connected car scenario where now we're not just listening to it, right? We're watching something, whether it be on our screen or on another device, right? It's immersive. Maybe we have a virtual reality headset on and we're going, taking a tour of the Swiss Alps while our car is going to work, or we're learning about some engineering problem, right? And I, I spend lots of time thinking about things that have engineering kind of complexity sure. to them. And then how do we land that? So what a cool experience. If you could take that 20 hours a week and apply that to a entertainment or learning experiences well, while you're in that car, you know, so a couple thoughts that I have on that is, um, I know, I know family members that have already now taken these virtual, um, vacations. They've taken virtual tours of museums all around the world. Uh, all mm -hmm. of those kinds of things. They, um, so I went to, I, I came into work the other day. I was on a, a board meeting for Rochester Business Ethics, and I was just listening to it. But, you know, I, I listened to Adam Carolla. He's got a great podcast, and he talks about how when he has, to, he has to go for meetings in all these different TV studios and radio studios, and in L.A., you can't get anywhere in under two hours. Well, you don't have to drive to these places anymore. Now you can do them over a Microsoft Teams or, or those types of platforms. Um this is this is a great place, Dave, to sort of pause and mm -hmm. um, and probably have you come back for a round two of this because there's so much to talk about. Um, Be delighted. I, I will say that this is really, at the end of the day, Education Reimagined is exactly why we do the Grease and Glamour podcast. There isn't another car dealer that I know of, at least in our region, 
that is doing a podcast and we're doing the podcast solely for our customer or people that want to learn more about car stuff. We try to make it entertaining. We try to throw in other things. I really think that something like this is so relevant because even though we talked about education and that's not necessarily cars, it all ties back to where we're going as a society and how we will rely even further on technology and the responsibility of companies like Microsoft to steer us in the right direction. And Dave, if if you are any reflection on Microsoft as a company, we're in good hands with Microsoft because you are uh, an amazing guy, um, not just for the work that you and I do together, but uh, just talking to you about this business stuff is really fascinating. And I really thought it's a, it would, would be a quality podcast. So I appreciate you so much for coming on. Mark, absolutely my pleasure to be on, and I'd be happy to, you know, re-engage in another standpoint. And, and you know, for, for Mark's audience out there, a lot of the things that they focus on is kind of that connected customer experience. We talked about the connected car, but it's really about the, you know, the customer connected experience that you bring both from a learning standpoint, your podcast, and kind of the way that you take care of both your organization as family, you know, as family and, and really your customers to a large degree is an extension of that family. So I appreciate the time that we spent together today. And, and on behalf of everybody at Microsoft um, and customers of Universal Imports, really, really uh, enjoyed this uh, last uh, time together. Thank you. I think that our next podcast together should be in your RV. <laughs> okay, I'm ready to go. Just saying, and, just saying. <laughs> and we have to do video because I'm going to show you some cool things that we can do with video. So, Thanks, Universal Imports and Mark. Really appreciate your time. That's today. awesome, Dave. Thank you so much. For you folks out there, check out all of the Microsoft suite of products. I mean, they have some really great stuff from from their email platforms and their their calendars and their reminders. You know, Dave makes it look so easy. Whenever I deal with Dave, I get a reminder within, you know, 10 seconds. And it's all just so neat and tidy. And I, I strive to be more like Dave when it comes to those things. There is, you, know, you got to learn it. But the good thing is we are now in this new world order where these things are just a click away on the Internet. You can find out and learn about all this stuff. Dave has a, a whole catalog of videos on YouTube uh, that you can check out. So if you if you just I think you could probably just search Dave Perlman, David Perlman on YouTube yep. and you're going to see all these videos. Dave's got lots of guests on his shows where they talk about the different things that are going on in the tech world. Um, and, uh, I just, I would tell everybody to go out there and check that stuff out and utilize it. Dave, thanks again so much until next time. Don't forget to subscribe to the grease and glamor podcast. Don't forget to visit universal imports. You can either come over to our place here in Pittsburgh or check us out at universalimports.com for all your car needs, whether it's car repairs, uh, collision work or sales. We're here for you. Aaron, who's usually my co-host, couldn't be on today, but um, but that's okay because I knew Dave was going to have a lot to talk about, and uh, I wanted to make sure that we gave him the floor. So, Dave, thanks again. Everybody out there, Thank you, have, a, have a wonderful afternoon.